I am a consultant and I mainly deal in leadership and training programs. I went to this agency in Manchester and they were like, yeah, well, we don't even want you to come and work for free in the summer. It was really Harsh. bad. Like my career has just been one big accident. If you want to try anything, it's just, just have a go. Mm. Yeah. And if you enjoyed it and you were terrible, then do it again, you'll get better. You can choose to go into a meeting and be awkward. You can choose to go in there and be open-minded and positive. And the difference is huge. Don't obsess over what you're bad at. Find people who are good at that thing and partner with them. So if you have got to do a load of data analysis and things like that, get them to do it. Let you do the bits that you're good at. And you know, life's too short. Enjoy the things that you're good at. The facilitator took me outside and she said, you're being too Northern. What? No. And yeah, she said, you're being too Northern. And I said, what does that mean? Hi, I'm Lily. And I'm Dan. We are The Loaded. People are working hard. So who do we have in our kitchen studio today? We have someone who I actually met um, not so long ago, actually, just a couple of months ago, um, and has been quite helpful to... Um, you just find people along the way, don't you? I do, you? actually, yeah, just bring them, <laughs> just drag them off the street and into the studio. Um, but we have the awesome John Haig, who is right. joining us today. Um, I feel like that deserves we should, we a clap. We should. We should. There we go. We should get a nice little sound effect for that one. But I'm going to let John introduce himself and tell us like who he is and what he does. Oh, wow. Yeah. Welcome, John. Let's Just throw you like straight into the deep end. It's interesting because like John Egg is like my name, not John. I've never been John ever. And it really annoys me. Always you, John I Hayes. get that though. I was like, oh, it's Dan Bolton. Dan it's never Bolton. Dan. It's just yeah. Dan Bolton. Yeah. And it, like it started at the age of four. Okay. When I went first day of primary school, there was another John who got that to was school it. first. And he was John, and I was annoyed because he had a really—he had, he had, he was a big-headed kid, as in not—he didn't have a big ego. He physically <laughs> yeah, he had, had a big, had a big head. head. Yeah. So if you remember, Hey Arnold, he had a head like Telly, and he became John, and I became John Haig, and because I'm from you know Yorkshire, in the north of, of England, people drop their H's. John Haig. So John Haig, all one word. And then it got to the point where that carried on into senior school, university, and then my career, yeah. where you'd be in board meetings and people would like go through the names. And I'm like a Brazilian footballer. I'm a one-named one <laughs> guy. It's John Haig. So, yeah, Instagram handle... What my mum calls me, what yeah. you know, what partners have called me. Yes, yeah, it does nice. feel like a very showbiz name. Which yeah, we'll sounds, get. We're going to get, like, get to that. Yeah. Bit. We're going to get to that bit in a bit because I don't want to like give everything away like straight off. Um, I want to go straight there. No, not yet. Okay, no, yeah, okay I'll hold back. I'll hold back. Of course, and there's a bit of a backstory. Yeah. Like before that. So who is John Hay? Who am I? I'm a failed architect, Lily. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's not what you were as a kid. Take me back. Uh, really? I was, yeah, take I was me back. Good kid, actually. Were you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know if I believe that. I was head boy of my primary school. Oh God! Literally, because the uh, you know the pool of candidates was modest. <laughs> I always I always learned that from my mum. If something's bad, you never say it's bad. You always say it's modest. So she okay. used to refer to one of my mates of being of modest intelligence. Okay. Yeah, because he was thick. So um, <laughs> um, yeah. So. Um, I uh, I don't know. Like I think I was quite a boring kid. Like if you see the in betweeners, mm -hmm. like in terms of I I sort of got on with most people, but I like sport, but I wasn't very good at it. I wasn't intelligent, so I wasn't a nerd. I wasn't into sort of emo music. I wasn't I wasn't in any group. I just sort of flitted about me and yeah. me and a few mates and. Uh, yeah, I did sort of design technology or woodwork or, again, you know, um, 
not necessarily gonna get a Nobel Peace Prize for that, but I was sort of sanding things, and I was like, oh yeah, I'll be an architect. And then I went to university, and I was literally the worst person. Like, yeah, but to get into architecture, you actually no, but I never did. That's, oh, that's you get into it. Oh, right, no, right, so, right, so, right. I, so I so I did the degree, and then like you have to go and do work experience and. I went to this agency in Manchester and they were like, yeah, well, we don't even want you to come and work for free in the summer. It was really bad. Harsh. So uh, Harsh. Um, I got my degree, had my own section at the awards ceremony as well because I was the only person to get a third class honours. Um, is that, sorry, is that a good thing? No. No. Oh. <laughs> we're talking like, first no. class, second class. Ah, right, okay. So I was like, I just yeah. looked at everyone's face and I was like, is that good or bad? No, it's first class, then you get two, one, then two, two, then third. And I was oh. the only person to get a third. Well, at least you got a degree. So I didn't even get special. one. Yeah, it makes me special. Yeah, yeah. my grandma was there yeah. and I told her it was a good thing. She didn't know any difference, so it was good. It's a modest achievement. It's a, mod- it's it's a, a modest, modest achievement. achievement. Yeah. But my grandma is like one of those ladies that was just proud of you for anything that you did. We were at a family party and um, my, my sister is genuinely an award-winning doctor. Okay. And she'd... Um, she'd God, I hate that. Yeah, isn't it annoying? It's yeah. really annoying. And uh, she'd introdu- she introduced us to one of her friends and she said, this is our Jenny, she's a doctor, and this is John, he works at Morrison's. <laughs> Which isn't the most sort of gratifying thing in the world. And I was like, I'm a trainee, I'm a trainee manager. And whatever. And she goes, of course you are, love it, of course you are. I and mean, it's like, yeah. Oh, no. But, uh, yeah, and that, that led me to, I need a job, and then ended up, um, you know, getting on a graduate scheme with, with, within retail, which... Okay, no, you see, you see, that doesn't work. You don't just overnight end up in a graduate retail scheme. How did you end up there? So, um one of the reasons why I wasn't very good at university was uh, I um, I worked. So I worked for Armani, uh, Emporio Armani on King Street, if okay. you remember that, yeah, Dan. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's a posh street in uh, Manchester where there was like DKNY and, and, and places like that. And I was the shop boy there and I thought I was the bee's knees. Like literally just a Saturday job, and uh, I mean, and it was Armani, oh, yeah. and on King Street, like it's like it's like yeah. a famous street in Manchester. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in Manchester, oh, so yes. yeah, of course. it's properly fancy, and um, and yeah, just complete sort of young bravado and nonsense and whatever. But you know, footballers had come in, and you, you know, um, David Beckham rang me once, which was no cool. way. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. did he yeah. ring you for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those he ran, he those pants. To, he wanted to know if his alterations were ready for collection. <laughs> But he still rang. He still rang. He you. still rang the store. He asked for John, and then it's like it's John or John Haig. Uh, just John, actually. The only man that's actually calling by my first name is like one of my idols, so that's quite cool. And then he's like, "Yeah, my trousers ready. I'm in the car outside." And uh, yeah, somebody went out. I was going to send Vicky in to collect them. Yeah, hand me. I'm going to send Vicky in to collect them. I used to always see him around town all the time down Deansgate like, yeah, yeah. before they were like super famous. He's 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 lovely. Like really 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 nice dude. And then. Um, yeah, there'd be people from like Hollyoaks coming in, um, and yeah, I think that's that's where I'm at with our man. There's no other stories other than that, but like, uh, there was a really cool actually. There's a good life lesson there um, because there was a lad there who worked in the stock room, and um, he was a bit bit of a silly lad, very nice guy and everything. But in terms of business and everything, I learned a really good lesson from that because people had like, you know, make jokes and uh, he, he, he was the person that would bring a lot of the banter, but a lot of it sort of ended up back on him. I remember I said something cheeky to him once and he said, you'll need me before I need you. Always Ooh. remember that. And it was so true 
because he worked. That's at, he, very powerful. He worked in the stock room, and he, you know, he owned like all the stuff. So if you ever had a customer come in and you were like, "Oh, can you get these alterations, or can you get these jeans, or whatever?" He was the guy that went and got them, knew where everything was. If you went in there on your own, it was like Aladdin's cave. You've been yeah. there for three days. Absolutely. So that really has stayed with me. So in terms of uh, your work ethic and whatever, I think never, you know, underestimate the value and power of. Every single every job, role. yeah, and he was integral. You know, he was yeah. the he was the cogs that made everything work. But yeah, you you'll need me. Before, you'll need me before I need you, John. And uh, and that it came true. Absolutely, I so, mean, that was twenty years ago. Now. So how did that lead you to the training program? Uh, so I needed a job, and um, just don't know. Went on the, online and looked at supermarkets, and I thought, oh yeah, this will be all right. And then applied, got in day one. And what's wonderful about Morrison Supermarkets is the fact that they the training scheme was very, very tough. They, they make you work on every single department. So in terms of my work ethic, I think that has come from retail because I worked on the fish counter for sort of six to nine months, which is awful for your love life. Like, <laughs> I could imagine. You know, I'd come home and my what? girlfriend would be sort of, you know, you'd get in bed and, and you know, nothing nicer than your nearest and dearest saying you stink do you know yeah. what I mean because you didn't you stank of fish and no matter yeah. how much you washed and of course absolutely and probably you still and you do everything lemon uh, thin bleach everything everything and um, I didn't really that relationship didn't work out I, I wonder why <laughs> <laughs> not very and supportive because you'd have scales on you you know you'd literally have scales of the fish would fuse themselves to your skin and I'd get it and pick it and flick it at her and, which she and you enjoy. wonder why you didn't. <laughs> I don't know, what a square, eh? She didn't like dead fish being thrown at her. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I think overall, you'd go in there and you'd work hard. And um, one of the things that always stayed with me was um, on day one, I had to stop a shoplifter. And it always made me wary of the public working in supermarkets because this shoplifter had um, robbed a load of meat uh, and, uh, and so it's Morrison Supermarket and the cheeky bastard used as the carrier bags <laughs> as well so really like shoving it in our face so we used our rival's carrier bags to steal our meat and then go down the street with it she was like completely off brand completely off brand yeah so because I was I would have been like 18, 19 oh no no sorry this is after uni so I was 21 and um, a little thinner than I am now and whatnot because I was the sort of young upstart, my instructions that were day would get Run. him, get him, John. That was, that's <laughs> all I heard, John. get him, John. So I ran down the street and, uh, and, and retrieved, said, as the bags and, and everything. And, um, you know, you got called all names under the sun. And in my retail career, I've been threatened with needles, knives, um, some, some colourful language as well. And... Uh, <laughs> There was uh, a murder. What? Um, like in, a minute, in the, like what? In, in the streets. Don't you of, love how he just sort of goes yeah, past like, yeah, the yeah, juicy yeah, stuff? Murder. <laughs> rewind, rewind. Murder. I got first of all, you don't paint a very good picture of the North of England. Oh no, no, no. This. Uh, oh, let's. Oh no, this is definitely in London. Yeah. All right, okay, let's <laughs> no, throw no, it down, it's down there. No, it's not. No, it's not. Just throw them under the bus. But no, this was up north, and now I came to work one day, and um, that it had been a murder in the road outside the supermarket. Well. Um, there, were the, there was these gangs. I'm not going to name the supermarket or, or whatever, but it was it was quite shocking. And oh, you wow. know, you're dealing with police all day, um, and it was it was um, a real eye opener in terms of uh, work ethic and uh, dealing with customer service, dealing with staff. Um, it's the hardest job I've ever had working in retail. Really long hours, 
monotonous tasks. You know, the, the ga- next time you buy a cooked chicken in the supermarket, <laughs> right? Seriously, the amount of prep that goes into that and the amount of due diligence in terms of, you know, raw food, cooked food, temperatures, thermometers, all that kind of thing, you know, and you're say buying thank this. thank you. Absolutely, say thank you and, and, and whatever. I hated doing the chickens. I was always late with the chickens. So, I, so I'd just hear John Egg, where, chi- where at chickens? Not where are the chickens? Where at chickens? And I'd never like, oh, they're coming soon, they're coming soon. And you'd get... Um, uh, I don't want to say bullied, but you'd get called names and things like that until said chickens were sort of like on show and whatnot. Something you just mentioned then was about um, dealing with people. Yeah. And that's something which I'm going to touch on because like, that's what you do now. Mm. So I don't want to skip too far forward because I'm sure there's a lot happening in between. Yeah. But just to give our listeners some context of like, you know, what is it that John Haig does now? Uh, I am a consultant and I mainly deal in sort of leadership and training programs. So then do you think all these experiences which you just talked about 100%. was like grounding for, yeah. for what you do now? Yeah, yeah. I think um, when you work in different parts of the country, and I think a lot of the, the retail world, they do send their trainees off to, to different stores, different parts of the world. And you really do get to... Um, experience uh, different leadership behaviors different uh, staff behaviors the biggest thing in, in any leadership development program all of the models are great all the psychometric tests are great and then you put people involved in it and it messes everything up because people are so complicated and the most straightforward things you forget that we're emotional beings that happen to think well no two people are the same absolutely it'd be great if they were it'd be incredibly boring but it'd make things a lot easier <laughs> yeah you know? it definitely would so in terms of in terms of doing that for so many years it, it really gives you a good grounding to being able to sort of understand and empathize um and um there's a really good podcast the high performance podcast with Professor Damien Hughes, uh, and I was fortunate enough to meet him, um, and um, he did a conference when I worked for Sky Betting and Gaming, and he uh, talked about one method uh, that he experienced, which was um, you need to contain and then explain. So you need to always contain the emotion of the person that you're speaking to first, and then explain what you want to do. Because if I said, Dan, tonight we're going to go stamp collecting, and then we're going to look at trains, and um, then we're going to read a book. How do you feel about that? And if how, I'm your boss... How do you know about my stamp collecting history? It's, it's all over your kitchen. Like, I mean, there's, there's all these pennies on the But, like, basically, um, if your boss says that to you, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, how do you feel about that? The likelihood is you're going to agree. Yeah. Now, if you go the other way and say, how are you feeling? You know, how, you know, how are you feeling today? And you get a sense of whether you're feeling social or whether you actually want to do something or whether you just want to chill out, then you can adapt what you're going to tell that person. And that was really profound, I think, in, in terms of we often just assume that when people say things, you know, it's actually what they mean. And most of us don't. There's yeah. so many meetings where at the end of the meeting, everyone says, does everyone agree? Everyone sits there and nods. The leader walks out. And then, and then everyone, everyone starts bitching about it. Bitching, complaining, and says, what actually are we doing? You know, yeah. what are we doing? Did that even make sense to you? And, and it's mm. unfair on the leader because people don't speak up yep. because they've got full agreement. It's like, mm. well, you we all agree to this. Mm. But then it's unfair on the, on the staff members because actually hierarchies do exist. Yep. And there are so many businesses now where they say it's a flat hierarchy. It's not true. Actually, you know, people will always respect who is paying them and who is in charge or supervising them. So you've really got to... Um, There's a real responsibility there. 100%, yeah, yeah. 
I don't know where we've got, how we got but to like, He jumped into, okay, so chickens got you interested in uh, training programs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I see that link. Well, sort of. Now, like my career's just been one big accident. Like genuinely. We love accidents. But isn't that for most people in a way? Well, yeah. most of us really? in the creative world, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, because you don't really plan. Things happen, coincidence or, you know, time and place. and Time and place, yeah. circumstance. So, I, like I said, I was a, a, a store manager um, I moved um, from Morrison's to Waitrose, um, so I went from sort of uh, cool and, and uh, northern and hard work into sort of elegant and posh and Waitrose. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I really suffered from imposter syndrome there. I really, really did, because there is a Waitrose way of doing this, things in a partnership way. And, and this is, you know, I've got nothing but love for all the companies that I work for. I think they're fantastic. But I always felt I needed to be posher working for Waitrose. Well, okay. And I always felt that I needed to be sort of Betty behaved. And I was not authentic at all. And, and as a result, I was not as effective. I wasn't, I wasn't particularly a good leader or a good manager. And it was only when I went on an external training course. Well, on this external training course... And uh, I was probably being a little bit disruptive and uh, I'm not the best learner in the world. I just want to know what, what's going to help me, you know, do something. And the facilitator took me outside and she said, you're being too northern. What? No. And, yeah, she said, you're being too northern. And I said, what does that mean? And, uh, and she said, well, you know what I mean. Sorry, I said, this was a facilitator. Yeah, 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 yeah. A, faci- a facilitator, a yeah. coach said that to you. Yeah. I want to fail. Know she, I, yeah. Fail. I want to know what she means by about your being yeah, too northern. Yeah, no, we're northern. getting to that. What yeah. does being too northern mean? Well, my whippet wasn't happy. Was <laughs> your ferret? Of, yeah, yeah, my ferret and my whippet, they were very upset by that slur. And your flat cap. Yeah, absolutely. And um, no, I, um, and I said, what does that mean? And she says, you know what I mean. I said, no, you're going to have to explain that to me. And, um, and then she said that I was being um, a, a little obtuse and, um, and, and close-minded, which is, which is fair. And I said, oh, okay, well, I understand that. But, but that really had a bit of a, um, in terms of like an emotional trigger, that, that made me sort of, not rebel as such, but sort yeah. of I owned it a bit more. And as a result of that, I sort of stopped... Um, I, I got some good advice um, far too late in life. It was like always, when you're in your 20s, act like you're 35. You know, and I think up until that point, I'd gone into meetings and I'd always try and say a joke or say something funny to either break the ice or, or make people feel comfortable, but probably at my own make detriment. Yourself. I think my role was often the fool and rather than being the sort of uh, leader. And I think because I'd had that feedback, there was an element of, well, I'll, I'll show you. And this is to an external facilitator, which is great because it wasn't somebody within the company. Mm. And I sort of took that attitude of actually owning the fact that... Um, well, she gave you a label, right? Right. You took the label. Yeah. You're like, okay then. And I'm not the most, I'm not the most polished. I'm, you know, um, when I was at Armani, I got voted worst dressed, which is not good when you're in a, working in a fancy <laughs> For high fashion. Store. Yeah, yeah. So in, in, term, in terms of that, what I did know that there was always a high level of responsibility, a high level of dedication, and, and, and also harmony, I do believe in fairness, and, and I tried to lead with those. Keep the sense of humour, but put the other stuff first. You know, that can come afterwards. You know, that is a bonus rather than um, what you're actually being paid for. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and that, that sort of proved dividends, really, and, and, and my career sort of improved after that. So it is interesting that I do see that as a bit of a turning point um, because I 
do feel I'm, you know, I am authentic now, and I, d- I don't think I was up until that point, and it was detrimental. Do you still feel like you suffer from imposter syndrome Always. sometimes? Always. I mean, I'm doing a podcast for God's sake. <laughs> I'm sat here like, why do you want to talk to me? Why not? Because <laughs> you have an <laughs> interesting story. <laughs> Do you so, think that everybody suffers from imposter syndrome? I think it's rare if someone hasn't at some stage, whether it's not just in your career, but in sort of sport or performing or whatever. You know, whenever you're stepping up a level, whenever you're trying to improve, you are stretching yourself. And there is doubt when you've never done something yeah. before, without question, you are going to doubt yourself. And I always, you know, believe you should just have a go. Have a go at something and try. And people say fake it until you make it. I don't believe that because actually you've you've not got there by accident. But that's one of my pet peeves, that one. Right, yeah. Because fake it till you make it. One says that you didn't make it. And it also sounds a little bit disingenuous. It's not just that, but it puts you into, it it actually puts you into a negative headspace already. It's not a very positive headspace. Yeah. It's not productive. It's not constructive. And if you're saying you're faking it till you make it, you're basically feeding into the imposter syndrome. It's actually very true. I've never thought about it like that. You know? Yeah. No, I agree. And I think it's focus on what you're good at. Mm. And I do believe in focusing on your strengths. If you focus on what you're good at, you can improve exponentially. Mm. You know, you're going to enjoy things more. You're going to give discretionary effort. You're going to work really hard because what you're doing, you're good at, it comes natural. If you focus on what you're bad at... Um, yeah, but a lot of companies do that, right? It's the bell-shaped curve. Definitely. They, they've got to stick you on a bell-shaped curve, which means they sit you down and say, right, you're great at this, but you're not so good at this, so focus on this. And my response is, yeah, but I'm great at this. Let me just keep being great at this. Right. Get so, someone else to do that. Yeah, square pegs, square holes. You know, make, it e- make life yeah. easier for yourself. But that's society, isn't it? Right, and hire properly. Mm. You know, if you're looking for a particular role, get somebody that's good at that role. Get mm. someone who's passionate about that role. Mm. You know, when you've got people, I, I was always accused of not being analytical. And then when I did my um, Gallup Strengths Finder test, analytical was like really low down. And it was a relief in a way, because yeah. it's like, oh, good, I'm not. But you actually, can justify yeah, it. Yeah, so, and I think what's interesting with that is don't um, obsess over what you're bad at. Find people who are good at that thing and partner with them. So if you have got to do a load of data analysis and things like that, get them to do it. Let you do the bits that you're good at. And, you know, life's too short. Enjoy the things that uh, you're good at. Indeed. And do you find that that helped you kind of overcome that imposter syndrome by focusing on those things that you're good at? Yeah, I think, you know, you've got to trust in yourself because yeah. other people have. And sometimes you're the only one doubting yourself. And if somebody's hired you for a role, they believe in you. And everyone will be your cheerleaders. And sometimes you can be like, why are people saying this stuff about me? You know, you don't actually quite get it. And, you know, put that to one side and and really focus on actually what are the hard facts and then just go ahead and and do it. Try things, not necessarily take risks, believe in your own ability. And by applying what's got you there so far is good, but you need to do things differently if it's a different role, if it's a different position, if it's a different Mm. industry. And um, you'll be all right. Yeah. But so, yeah. what? So you went to this training program. Mm. What then made you want to cross over into becoming a trainer and a? Oh, hundred percent didn't. No, like, no. But so what did? Because you said about so, falling this by accident. Somebody, somebody didn't turn up one day. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Someone didn't turn up to uh, facilitate a, a welcome event for a, a brand new store, and um, and it was literally, oh, you know, John Eagle do it. So I, I was like. Okay, so I got on stage, winged it. Um, it went very, very well. Feedback was good. Um, that then led to... So uh, why they pick you? Why do you think they picked you that day? Oh, mm. she's got in with a killer question. Mm. 
powerful question, my go. friend. I've I genuinely have no idea. Like genuinely, I've no idea. But um, they must I'm have not. seen something. I think I knew one of the guys. I, th- I think they. they I think they were really desperate. So it was, and, and when everybody else says no, I'm the kind of person that there's that imposter syndrome already. Because because every every everyone else had said no. If if we sat in a room now, and you three were brain surgeons, and somebody needed a brain operation, and all of you said no, I can't do it. I'd have a go at it. <laughs> I would because I'd feel responsible. There's like someone's gonna die here. I need to save them. How hard can it be? Yeah. All, I, all I can think about is like blood splattered all over my nice white kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think, I think <laughs> it might maybe be there. Yeah. What do you think? You direct me. <laughs> It'll be okay. And because I would rather have tried something than not and tried to save that what? life. Now, this wasn't, thankfully, you know, life or death. Required. This was just some. This was some uh, well, obviously, that's what they saw in you. I, th- I think that there's always a willingness to support. There's mm. a willingness to support. And I think my career, um, since I have got into learning and development and coaching and things, is the, the only thing I want to do is improve people's confidence, self-awareness, and ability. That's it. Mm. And it. It seems to come so naturally to you, just having this conversation. Like, the ability for you to kind of, yeah, just share that with people just seems to come really natural oh, thank you yeah there you go. <laughs> no, cause i'm just thinking so i'm just thinking out loud because you know we've had conversations before yeah and you know you've been helping lots of our team and you know we're all looking at ways we can improve culture and you know empower people and i think what you what you say to them and the stories you tell and you know the way you come across seems natural it's not like because you talk about falling authentic into, authentic yeah because you talk about falling into this by accident mm. but in many ways it kind of feels natural <laughs> I, th- I think now it does after, I mean, I've been in this field now for, you know, f- 15 years, uh, 15 years, oh gosh, maybe, yeah, goodness me. You're showing your age now. So I know, I know, I know, I'm, I'm uh, 22, so uh, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I started at seven, it was tough, <laughs> so it was natural. tough doing that, you know, I was leaning up to cut fish, um, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think the more you um, go through things, and, and because I've got a very I've got a very sociable mum and dad uh, my mum and dad if they were here now would be intrigued by everybody in the room they okay. want to know you know uh, what do you do where do you come from tell us about your family that, and then they're genuinely interested so they're very curious people and do you think you've kind of inherited that from yeah, them yeah sadly yeah like well, that's a good thing I'm, no, I'm turning into my parents so much now aren't you know? we all oh, God. sort of yeah We've all, caught, we've all caught ourselves at one point going, oh my God, I sound like my mother. Yeah. Yeah. My dad sometimes I love you, like mom. Victor Meldry. I'm like, no, please stop complaining. <laughs> my, my parents are like, they're, they're just, they're super cool people. And I think, I think that's nice. And they always lead with kindness. And I think that's the one thing mm-hmm. that you can all do. Um, one of the training courses that we did at Waitrose was one talking about choose your attitude. And I really, you know, and I, I love that. You can choose to go into a meeting and be awkward. You can choose to go in there and be open-minded and positive. And the difference is huge. And the difference is huge. And I think um, certain meetings are tougher than others and one-on-ones and whatever. But if you go in there and you actively choose to... uh, There's a great training video um, with a guy called Bob Farrell. And uh, he owned uh, burger restaurants in, in America. And he, you know, he used to give his uh, waiting staff the advice, you know, go up to each of your customers and say, I like you in your head. 
like even if they're being mean or they're yeah. not tipping, go in there with I like you. And of course, when you do that, you treat people better. Yeah. You know, even, you know, what is it about something? Even if you really hate somebody, they'll be, you know, maybe they've got a nice top on, but I like that, their top. They must have a good sense of style and try and get yourself actively to choose that mindset. And um, yeah, my parents were, you know, ha had that wonderful way about them. And I think that, you know, we all learn off our parents in, in different ways, don't we? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Mm. So, so. So when you started, mm. did the training and got out there, Yeah. what was that like? I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I really loved it. And uh, Do you remember your first? Oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on, share. Well, welcome to Waitrose. Hello. Yeah. No way. And I can t I can tell you all of the uh, there's the please technique. Like seriously, the smile on your face right I know, now. I was, I was honestly, like literally like grinning from it's, it's, it's pure yeah. joy. And I think through my through my career I've been very lucky and um, I've learned from some really really good people. Um, there's a lady called Helen Morton, and Alan Shoesmith and Amory Hearn and and um, they really did do things um, in a fun, engaging way. It was tough, it was long hours, um, and you're traveling all the time, so you lived out of a suitcase. And I pretty much did that for like six years and went all over the United Kingdom, the Channel Islands, and um, places like that. And, and overall, um, it was a, they, they were great. They just let you get on with the training. You had to read all the scripts and do it, but you could put your own stamp on it. So was the training part of the Waitrose program? So did you do it through work? New store openings, yeah. Okay. It was new store openings. So you'd go into new stores and my job was customer service coordinator. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's good, isn't it? Big words. Yeah, yeah, it's oh. great words. And I'd, you'd go around and you'd do these uh, welcome events. So you'd get all the brand new staff and we might be taking over a, a Safeway or a co-op or it might be a brand new build and everyone would come together and you talk to them about how amazing John Lewis and Waitrose was, get them all excited and then after that their training programme which would go on for 10 days and then the store would open and there'd be a load of hoopla and then um, you start trading. But um, yeah, it was all about customer service skills. So the please technique, and if you go into any Waitrose now, I guarantee it's still the same. But if you go up and say, I need some cornflakes, it's positive first response, so you pee. So it'll be like, oh, of course, you know, sir or madam, you know. And then it's, uh, let me take you there. Uh, so you would physically escort them, not in a creepy way or anything like that. You don't wrestle them or anything. Um, <laughs> not yet. Then, not yet, no. Um, and you, you, t you took them there and he was escort, so you stay with them, ask a question on the way. So if they ask for cornflakes, it's like, oh, are you planning breakfast anytime soon? Um, again, sounds <laughs> that creepy. That sounds creepy. Yeah, no, it does sound creepy, doesn't it? Yeah, no, I don't do the job now. Um, S is, uh, so ask a question, S is supply the product. So you actually take the product off the shelf and hand it to them because psychologically, if someone hands you something, you're far more likely to buy it. You're gonna okay. Whereas if you just pointed, you could walk away. Whereas you yeah. hand it, or it's like, here's the kilo, here's the 375 gram, which would you like? Mm -hmm. And again, giving people two options is better than giving them three, apparently. Mm. And then people would pick one, they buy it. Uh, and then, um, what's the end of please? Yeah. End, end positively. So uh, ask, is there anything else I can help you with? And often people would say, yeah, whilst you're here, where are the eggs? No yeah. one knows where the eggs are in a supermarket. God knows why. It's because they them. keep moving them around. This is lies, right? Eggs don't move in a supermarket, I swear to God. Really? Yeah, they don't. They don't. So I'm just thinking about always you, in the same place. You talk to any I supermarket so. manager, it's the one question you get asked more than any. Where are the eggs? It does your head in, yeah. Where, where I, are I'm going to challenge this because I just remember Tesco's used to always shift them around. 
Are you always confused? I was just lazy. I'd walk into a store. Well, <laughs> no, I work smarter, not harder. If I walk, walk into a store I haven't been to before, the first thing I do is find a dude and say, can you tell me where this is, this is, this is, you know, so then they go here, here, I go, Lily just, Lily just thinks the people working at Waitrose and Tesco are, are like me? personal shoppers. <laughs> <laughs> they will. We'll, we'll stay with you. But that, like, that, yeah. that is their role. They've got yeah. to do that. I'm smart enough to, you know, know how to As use she's the sipping on the cappuccino yeah. in the cafe. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> but I, I, I think it's uh, yeah. If we take anything from this podcast, it's eggs don't move. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what on the title today. Eggs don't. They don't. Can I? We're gonna, we're gonna is, keep is, that this, is this is this the bit where I can ask for a joke? Right, okay, Come well, on, it's great. Well, no, I, I think, I think first of all, we have to put some context okay. there. So, I know, I, so no, like, hang on a minute. So literally, like I was in the office the other week. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. It's all merging into one right now. And then all of a sudden, like something just popped up on the feed, and it was like John Egg appearing live at like some stand-up comedy night. So I was like, open mic. I was like, what? Because there's only one John Egg. Yeah, because there's only one John Egg. So I was like, hang on a minute. So I was like, looking. I was like, is this right? And I was like, oh my god, it's the same person. Yeah. So you kind of have like, um, well, you moonlight. I moonlight. There you I do go. Moonlight. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> you moonlight as a stand-up well, he's a comedian. comedian. Well, no, he's yeah. a comedian that uh, moonlights as a leadership. And yeah, of, which, which one comes first? Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid the day job will always come first. I'm <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm too loyal to 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 anyone that pays me. So, um, yeah, during COVID, I've got I, I do have like a bit of a creative itch, and so I started painting. I wasn't very good at that. Did you make any banana bread? I didn't. No. Okay, good. I ate a lot of banana bread. So people, because everyone was like making banana. Oh god, bread. It, banana bread was breeding. It was like bloody rabbits, and uh, so I, I do enjoy a good banana bread. But that can't cook to save my life. So during lockdown, we were doing lots of stuff online, and I did this seminar, and um, it was on LinkedIn. Yeah. And um, this lady uh, that I knew um, contacted me afterwards because she was doing some work and wanted some help, and she said, "Oh, I really enjoyed the seminar the other day. It was really funny." And I went, it wasn't meant to be. And it was. <laughs> and, and, and she said, oh, no, I really enjoyed it. You made me laugh. You could, she goes, you should try stand-up. And I was like, oh, okay. And what, you, so hang on, just, you've never done it no, until that moment? No, no. Interesting. I'm going to ask a question in a bit. Carry on. And, and she um, was really persistent. You know, she kept messaging me saying you should try stand-up. And then she found um, a course. It's by the guys at Debomedy. And she said, you should do this stand-up course. Yes. And I was thinking, why is she pushing this? And, um, and and just turns out that she's just a very wonderful person. I think she thought I'd enjoy it. So I, uh, again, um, uh, they had an early bird special on. She messaged me on like payday or again circumstance and the I don't know Mercury retrograde aligning or whatever the hell it is. And um, yeah, so I, I I went and did it and I loved it. And um, uh, at the end of the course, I can't remember how, like six weeks ten weeks something like that but you go every Saturday yep. you write stuff you say it you get feedback and then you get some coaching and whatnot. and at the end they it culminates in a show and at the end of that show there was a producer who saw it who said oh I enjoyed your set do you want to come and do my show so I went to that show somebody else saw me there and um, and it sort of built and that was 18 months ago now oh, wow. and, um, you know this week just gone was great I got to perform with um, Sean Walsh um, who's a famous stand-up in the UK 
and um, he did a, a show at Phileas Fogg's um, and it was, it was nice and packed. I think there was like 170, 180 people there. Uh, great atmosphere and there was me and some local comics uh, and we all did good sets. We were thrilled and you know, to perform with him was, was great. So it was a good confidence boost. And I think people don't realise how thriving the comedy scene is in Dubai. It's great. Yeah. And mm. the shows, uh, there's one, can I do plugs? Yeah, of course you can. It's like Flamingo Live, Yellow Laughs, Comedy Kicks, uh, Mad Cat Comedy. Um, I've definitely missed somebody. Oh, word of mouth comedy. Um, and uh, if you follow them on Instagram, there's great nights. Um, most nights of the week, not through mm. Ramadan now, but um, yeah. we'll, we'll be back uh, after Eid. I find it incredible because, like, back in the day when I got here, like, 15 years ago, there wasn't much of a comedy scene. No, it, like, was, it was like, that like one you know, Mina and Ali and the guys from Dubomedy, like, yeah. really helped launch it. And then Knitting and a few others, Wen Ho Chong. What was the one that was in um, Millennium Hotel and Tcom? Oh, God, I can't remember. After Factory. Laugh. That's it. Yeah, That's the one I know. They've, they've been around Manfreds. a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, yeah. They're, they're great. So I'm just going back to the fact that you I need a only, joke. I no, need no, it. In a minute, don't, don't, we're going to peak too soon. I just want to go back to the fact that you only found out about this during like lockdown. Yeah. Because literally throughout all of our conversation, every other kind of sentence has been funny. Like, you know, it's been a, a great conversation. And you even mentioned that people didn't necessarily take you so serious. Not so, I'm going to paraphrase that wrong. But when you were having those meetings in an yeah. earlier age, like you were seen as the joke, you know, the joke of the, well, there's, there's, a, there's a, a comedy there's element a to it. There, okay. Like, you know, I'd rather say something funny or self-deprecating rather than answer like a serious question. So, yeah, I don't like people. I don't, I don't know. There's 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 a wall there. There was a there was a deflection going there's on. There's a deflection. There. There's a lot. And if you speak to a lot of comedians, most of us are, you know, that's where troubled in some in some way. Aren't we so, all? Uh, yeah. Aren't we all? So we we do that as a as a projection to sort mm. of deflect from that. And and it's been really good. And I, and I think what's great is. Um, I, I really do like to study other comedians and learn how they move, how they speak, how they really deliver punchlines. And I think that, again, the one thing, if you want to try anything, is just just have a go. Mm. Yeah. And if you enjoyed it and you were terrible, then do it again. You'll get better and do it mm. again. You'll get better. And I think what's nice is, you know, my poor my poor mates who have to come and watch my shows, they've, they've been on the whole sort of uh, parade of it. And, and, and they're really, you know, they're like, you know, you were terrible. Do they heckle you? You asked the question. I enjoy heckles now. I enjoy heckles now. They're the best. And, um, you know, I've I've got a few lines up my my sleeve that I can roll out. But what what I found is, you know, I didn't really know what kind of comedian I wanted to be. And you see people like Jimmy Carr and Frankie Boyle who are really hilarious, but they are sort of very good at being mean to the crowd. And the crowd know who they are. Yeah. So they're sort of expecting it. And also and, their comedy's quite dry. And their comedy's quite dry. And I think a lot of the stuff I talk about is quite positive. And when I've tried to be mean, it doesn't work. Well, it's not you, is and it? And I felt it's awful. Not you. And, um, and, and, and I felt sort of terrible about things. So I'll say it's like a funny joke. And then as soon as I'm off stage, I'll grow up. I'm, so I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Apologize to them. Speaking of, can, yeah. we, can we talk about the recent, you the, know. Are you going to mention the Oscars? Yes, yeah. the headline, man. But the, we can do that, right? Yeah, of course you can. I'm, I'm thinking about yeah. timing wise. I mean, if we, if we get sued eventually, then it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Like, I thought it was horrible to watch. It was awkward. It was, it was very awkward. I thought it was a joke. And, and genuinely, I, I found it quite upsetting because they're, they're two people that I've got tons of respect for. Like I love uh, Chris Rock and I've seen him live and I think he's fantastic. And, and, and Will Smith, you know, grew up watching The Fresh mm. Prince. And, um, uh, and I really agree with Chris Rock that you should be able to make jokes and his intention is to be funny. 
I agree with Will Smith because, you know, I believe in love and his intention was to protect his loved ones. What I don't agree with is them thinking about making a sequel to G.I. Jane. Because mm. that's just a terrible film. It is a terrible film. Sorry, Debbie. We don't need any more of that, do we? So that's, that's my view on it. And, and I think it'll, um, it'll find its way somehow. But, um, you know, I, re I really feel that Will Smith's had a very difficult year and people should leave him alone. And uh, you know, I, th I think, yeah. It just, Interesting. It, it just was a bad day. It was a bad day. It just really I rolled just, out I, badly. Yeah, I, I just woke up watching it on like, Twitter and I was like, I have no idea what just happened. Yeah. I honestly thought it, it was a skit. Like, no one knows who won Best Film, or like no one knows that any other awards. It's just all about know. the fight, yeah. about the, the, yeah, the altercation, yeah. even. That's Which is it. a shame. I want to go back to so comedy, side mm. passion, yeah. day job, training. Yeah. How do you marry the two? Because How do I marry the two? I was going to say because... <laughs> so I don't. So I get up in the morning. So my routine is I wake up at five past five. I go to the wonderful uh, folks at Circuit Factory at 5.45. I do my circuit class um, and um, go home and then go to work. And then depending on timings and whatever, I have my tea, go to a gig and then repeat the next rinse day. and repeat yeah. but in terms of like the physical well aside from the logistics of it do you bring the comedy element into the training and the i guess like the, the coaching that you give to people or companies even i try to like i, I do think that if you enjoy yourself you, you're gonna be able to relax a bit more and, and, and take things away i think with training um if you walk into a training room and it's all bells and whistles and sweets and food then actually what's your content like you know, your content needs to be strong. That's what people are paying for. That's what people want. I want to go to a training session and learn something. Now, if someone's going to give me a Snickers as well, then everyone's happy. But it shouldn't just be about the the food and the... I was going to say, you don't have to have a peanut allergy. No, well, no, no, <laughs> then, no. Then you're definitely uh, not happy. That's terrible. Um, I have injured someone on a training course. Go on, how? At turkey workshops. So, uh, turkey workshops What's that mean? At Christmas, obviously. Literally turkey. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, just, just, just clarifying. <laughs> and, um, I have no idea where these conversations go sometimes. Uh, and, and at Christmas, you obviously have uh, party food orders and people come and order their, you know, organic uh, Australian space age turkey that's like been bred on, I don't know, quinoa or something like that. So they, they, they and, and obviously um, it's how do you take the orders? How do you get everything in? So you do these workshops and it's about how the system works and blah, 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 blah. I like to throw th so I like to like throw balls and throw different things um, to get quick answers out of people. Keeps people energized and engaged. And I had a stuffed turkey, so I had this pet, this this toy turkey, and we we're in. Uh, I think we were in Leeds actually. So um, in my in my own backyard, I injured somebody, and somebody had um, this turkey. They threw it to somebody else. This next person threw it up into the chandelier. The chandelier at the hotel broke, came down, smashed everywhere, and like cut this girl like up her hand and arm and everything. So um, yeah, I'm the only person that's injured somebody in, in, in our team. As far as I'm aware, back then I was. Okay. So very apologetic. It's only a small cut. We have to keep an eye on that one for the next time we do a team building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a team session. I sort of don't know where to go after that. Yeah. No, so I think what's next for John Haig? Because what's next? Yeah. There's a long pause there. I don't... Can we ask a different question? Yeah, of course we can. <laughs> um, can, I, can I have a joke? <laughs> <laughs> no, can I sorry, have my joke me, now? Um, hang on. 
Because I think what, what I wanted to get to was talking about company culture mm. and how, how, yeah. how important culture is now, <laughs> yeah. really. So let me rephrase it. Um, I can't remember what we talked about at the end. How do we get okay. to um, Talk about so the divorce if you want. That's <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what? All right, come back. <laughs> All right, let me think. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, comedian, training, what story sticks out to you the most across either of those that has been um, a moment where you go, yeah, this, this, is, this, is, this is me, this is where i got to be, this is exactly what I'm here to do. I'm still waiting to have that moment, I think. Really? Yeah, I think. Okay. Ernie Els, the golfer, I always remember, like, I don't know what tournament he'd just won, and I remember he, he told this story, like, his grandma called him and said, are you going to get a proper job now? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I think um, everybody is always thinking, oh, what could I do? And I think there's a, there's a, there's a, a danger in that destination mentality where you think the next job's going to be better the next relationship's going to be better i'm going to change myself and whatever focus on what you're doing now and enjoy it you know i just wrote an article about that did you realize yeah it's for next month okay oh nice Mm. and it's it's about being present and i think if you're present and enjoy the little things that are going on and i'll i'll find it i'm sure Mm. but when you do a gig or a training session or a coaching session and you know you've made an impact you know you have you can feel it it's tangible either by the way it's received or by what people say then there's it, a vibe right it is and, and and when you know someone like me who does want to support and challenge people to to, to help um that that's a really really nice feeling so i've not had that moment that is a hundred percent perfect yet and i don't know whether it will ever be perfect but when they come along just enjoy them yeah and i think i've gone through my career a lot not enjoying what I do and um, and that's more because there's that sense of responsibility that you have to deliver every single time and you're doing a good job but you, that imposter syndrome whatever it is you don't quite enjoy it you're just really worried about you know the afternoon that has to be perfect and um, I remember there was you know one of my one of my team members said to me she's like oh it's going really well isn't it and, and I said to her well we need to get this afternoon right and she goes, but are you enjoying it? I said, yeah, if we get this afternoon right. And she goes... And she kept, she kept going yeah, right. She, She's like... But, but it's going well. You seem like you're enjoying it. And I was like, I am. Well, yeah, yeah, I am. And she goes, oh... She goes, you're not miserable, are you? And I was like, well, I like balloons. You know what I mean? So it's... You've got to, you, you know, focus on, on the good bits. Well, you're depriving yourself of joy. Of course, you're depriving yourself of it. And, and don't get too serious about mm. it. And I think... You know, I, I'm very guilty of that sometimes. Mm. And actually, yeah, this is good fun. And there are elements uh, of your job, whether it's you've got a friend at work, whether you've got a project that's interesting or challenging, you know, enjoy it because, you know, the stress can be all-consuming. And, yeah, at the end of the day, it's work. Well, well, there you go. Enjoy the moments. Indeed, I think it's a nice way to end it. Mm. However, I know you're itching for a joke. I'm itching for a joke. Can I just have one joke? Please. It's always like when your parents find out you're a dancer and like dance for me. I know, I know I'm being that person. No pressure. You've really put me on the spot. Oh, just well, no, no, no. I know, I know lots of jokes. I'm just trying to think what. Which one can pass on the podcast? <laughs> and not get me cancelled or sent back to the United Kingdom. Um, oh my God, yeah, that's the thing. Or oh, oh, send this something. Where can we watch you? Where, where's your next gig? Next 
gig is at the Oak on Tuesday the 5th of April, but there are gigs every single week in the thriving and vibrant Dubai comedy scene. So go on Instagram and follow those pages. But yeah, on the 5th, uh, I'm at the Oak, but this won't have come out by then, will it? Possibly not, then. No. Um, but yeah, check the Instagram pages because they're, they're every single week. And, and, and pretty much most nights of the week, uh, there is a comedy show. It will uh, take a back seat over Ramadan, but it will be back and thriving. And then the Dubai Comedy Festival. Um, so Russell Peters is performing, ah, Joshua Dekun, and um, are you performing? Uh, I, I am, yes. Okay, uh, so I'm going to drag a few people, no, out and Lily, that's yeah, where you're going to get your that's joke. That's when I, I'm going to have to wait till then to get my joke. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming in. I, I can think of. I can tell you them off air. Tell me one off air. <laughs> we'll wait. We'll wait. We'll see you down at the the next gig. I will see you down there. Cheers, thanks darling. for coming my in. Pleasure. Thank Bye. you for having me. All right. Hi, I'm Lily. And I'm Dan. We are the Loaded. <laughs>